Let the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Many of y'all have probably figured out that I don't watch much college football. I did, however, found, uh, find myself being drawn in to the Iron Bowl um, every year, a game that will leave half of our community relieved and the other half frustrated. I got lured into the game about the middle of the fourth quarter, which I think was about halfway through the game. And as I watched, I realized that more people in Alabama were praying last night harder than they have in many, many days. So I relinquish to you all that maybe my own avoidance of college football has been in vain. I guess good things can come from our bizarre fascination with pigskins and goalposts. But I also promise you that what we get in Christ Jesus is far better than anything that can come from a football game. Over the past six months or so, um, in my family, we've had two longer than desired trips to the dentist. Each child has had to come to grips with the consequences of probably too much processed sugar and not enough flossing. A few weeks ago, I was the lucky parent to accompany my daughter on this coming-of-age journey. The day before had not been the most pleasant as um, she had to get a shot from the doctor, a painstaking ordeal that had been met with fear and trepidation. So rationalizing that the shot wasn't as bad as the anticipation, I foolishly told her that she would likely get another shot today. This one would be to numb her mouth so that she wouldn't have to feel the drilling in the cavity that was about to be filled. And just like the day before, it probably wouldn't hurt nearly as much as thinking about it. Yes, I mentioned the drill. <laughs> probably not the finest moment in my parenting. So she was nervous as we arrived, probably made worse by having to wait for me to fill out paperwork in the awkward silence of a room filled with people staring at their phones to avoid the community of a waiting room. Finally, we were ushered back to a room where Bailey could sit in a reclining chair. However, this time all the lights were focused on her. The doctor gave uh, permission, much to the chagrin of the hygienist, for me to join my anxious seven-year-old. Is it going to hurt? Do I really have to get a shot? The hygienist promised it wouldn't hurt, but I've already made the mistake of mentioning the needle. It probably doesn't help that at this point she can see the drill that will be used to remove the cavity. And then the hygienist says something I didn't expect. A secret perfected from years of trauma induced on young patients. Bailey, in that room over there, in that closet, there is a special treasure chest. 
When we're all finished, you can go over to the treasure chest and open it up and pick something that you would like to take home. Not everyone gets to pick from the special treasure chest. You can see her kind of perk up. Her demeanor changing almost instantly. Well, what's in the chest? You're just going to have to wait and find out. And all of a sudden, the trepid little girl became much more courageous. Her anticipation became hope. Her hope became courage. And that courage became strength for facing the reality of her poor dental choices. Anticipating the little treasure box in the closet made all the difference in the world. Today is the first Sunday in Advent. Our texts change, our prayers change, our colors have shifted. And instead of working through readings in a logical order, we begin to take pieces the next four Sundays from the Gospel of Luke bouncing around two different and yet interconnected events. Today our reading points us to the coming of God's kingdom, the birthing of God's ultimate reign. On two other Sundays, the readings focus more on the coming of the Christ child, the birthing of love incarnate. And so as we hear our scriptures I'm left wondering how the disciples must have heard Luke's words many years ago. They've been following their friend, witnessing these incredible events of healing. They've put their trust and they've begun to put their life into the hands of their friend. They've been promised this new way, this new kingdom. Just prior to the message that we hear today, Jesus has predicted the destruction of Jerusalem. And I'm left wondering how they're feeling, the political center of their world being promised to be destroyed. And then Jesus using this apocalyptic imagery of the sun and the moon and the stars. I wonder what they would have felt when Jesus tells them that heaven and earth will pass away. And yet being promised that the kingdom is drawing near. His next words hitting us as well. Be on guard. It's a posture of anticipation of expecting what is to come next. He tells them, be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and stand before the Son of Man. He's asking them to pray that when life as they know it begins to crumble, That's when we must be alert to see the radical new kingdom of God setting on the horizon. I think it's easy to be anxious these days. A new variant out of South Africa 
inflation. What feels like growing instability in our own political structure. And then we all have our own personal stories of loss and grief, anxiety and fear, worry and concern. I think sometimes the heightened pressure of this season further exposes that it all too often can feel like our own life is beginning to crumble too. We can't seem to make it all work to meet every single expectation to fix every problem. And when we arrive at this point, maybe it's even more important to hear the words of Jesus offering those scared disciples, be on guard. That even heaven and earth fade away, but God's eternal love will remain. These reassuring words of their future in the midst of turmoil. See, he is inviting them in to a promise of Advent. He's asking them to anticipate what is to come. Friends, Advent is upon us. We've begun lighting our candle, a practice that invites us more and more to see light growing each week of this season. Each Sunday, we see a little bit more clearly, a little more brightly. It's the season of Advent that invites us into a posture of holy anticipation. This anticipation moves us from fear and worry to a hopeful longing for the promise of God's salvation. To anticipate is to wonder and long for that love. I'm struck this morning that if the anticipation of a little toy in a plastic treasure chest could give a little girl enough courage to efface a dental drill and a Novocaine shot, I mean, how much more could the anticipation of God's promise of divine love and kingdom of heaven here on earth change our lives. Anticipation becomes hope. Hope becomes courage. Encouraged to face life and all that lies there within. God's kingdom has drawn near. May the invitation to a holy anticipation change our lives. So light a candle put a star on top of a tree, set out your crash, and turn on your lights because we know that what is to come changes everything and anticipating what God is doing changes us too. Amen.